morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 20th of July, and my name is Helen Freer. So the earnings season continues. We've had results out from Tesla and Netflix, among others. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague Bernadette Anderko. Then with plenty of news out of China recently, I'll be getting Carsten Menke's thoughts on what this means for industrial metals. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Bernadette. Good morning, Helen. So let's start with the UK, where we had inflation data yesterday that came in better than expected. How did markets react to this? Yeah, that's uh, right, Helen. European stocks uh, closed higher yesterday after UK inflation came in at its lowest level for 15 months. Uh, The Pan-European Stock 600 Index closed up just over 0.3%. The FTSE 100 was up 1.8%. And the British pound fell against the US dollar and the euro. And UK bond yields fell sharply. Um, Just for anyone who missed that data, UK Consumer Price Index figures showed annual headline inflation of 7.9%, which was lower than the consensus forecast of 8.2% and down from the 8.7% in May. Core CPI was 6.9%, also below an estimate that it would hold steady at 7.1%. And services inflation were also lower. Elsewhere in Europe, the Dutch chip industry giant ASML edged half a percent higher after beating its net profit forecasts. But then, unfortunately, it slid into negative territory in the afternoon trading. And over in the US, Goldman Sachs reported a bigger than expected drop in second quarter profits. So you just mentioned Goldman Sachs. That brings us smoothly on to US markets. Could you update us on yesterday's action there, please? Sure. Um, During the regular trading session, the Dow climbed more than 109 points. That's uh, 0.3% in what was the index's eighth consecutive day in the green. And in fact, it's its longest winning streak since September 2019. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite were up uh, just over 0.2%. And these gains came as companies are posting stronger than expected quarterly earnings. Um, according to facts that now three quarters of the S&P 500 companies that have announced results have topped their estimates. On the subject of results, um, I mentioned it at the beginning. We heard from Netflix and Tesla yesterday. Both made the headlines. What's the story? That's right. Uh, the Nasdaq 100 futures slipped yesterday evening after Netflix posted its latest quarterly results. Um, shares of Netflix themselves fell 8% in after-hours action after the streaming giant posted its uh, Q2 earnings report. The company posted $8.19 billion in revenue, which fell short of the $8.3 billion, which had been anticipated by analysts. And they also projected that their third quarter revenue um, will fall short of Wall Street estimates, which is suggesting that this crackdown on password sharing and new advertising aren't yet delivering the sales growth that uh, analysts had expected. Tesla, meanwhile, fell 4% in extended trading after the CEO, Elon Musk, and other executives said on an earnings call that vehicle production is going to slow during the third quarter due to shutdowns for factory improvements, and also that the company will probably keep cutting prices of its electric vehicles if interest rates continue to rise. And the action doesn't stop in the US. China's in the news this morning as well, isn't it? Yeah, that was the other big surprise in Asia. came from China today. The yuan jumped after China stepped up its support for the managed currency with a stronger than expected reference rate, and also a change to its capital curbs to attempt to draw in some inflows. Uh, The People's Bank of China set its daily fixing at just under 7.15 per dollar. That's 680 pips stronger than the average estimated. And it also adjusted some rules to allow companies to borrow more from abroad. And policymakers are continuing to attempt to bolster China's economy. 
Um, elsewhere in Asia, Hong Kong's Hang Seng index climbed after two straight days of losses. Uh, mainland Chinese markets were trading close to the flat line, with the Shanghai Composite down marginally and the Shenzhen component up just over 0.07%. Meanwhile, over in Japan, the Nikkei 225 is down more than a percent, and the topics is off half a percent after Japan posted a surprise trade surplus of 43 billion yen. Uh, that's uh, $300 million. That's its first surplus in 23 months. Okay, and anything else from the markets to highlight for us? A quick wrap up. The US Treasuries were mostly firmer with curve flattening. The, the dollar was better on the major crosses. The best gains came against sterling. Um, gold finished flat. Bitcoin futures were up just over 1% at around the 30,000 mark. And WTI crude oil ended down 0.6%, reversing earlier gains. Commodities spiked on a warning from Russia that any ships travelling to the Ukraine would be perceived to be carrying weapons. And actually, now this morning also, we've had TSMC, that's Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, posting its results. Just the headlines, they beat expectations in Q2, despite the fact that profit plunged 23% in the second quarter. And what's coming up data-wise today then? Well, uh, Wall Street's going to be keeping an eye on the weekly jobless claims numbers and existing home sales data. We've got a slew of earnings reports out, just to name a few. Johnson & Johnson, Travellers, American Airlines and Blackstone are all set to report their earnings today. And looking ahead to the markets today? The futures boards are a pretty big bag, but more red than green. So I'd say um, take care out there today. Thanks very much, Bernadette, for the roundup this morning. Now, Carsten, thank you for joining the podcast this morning as well. So earlier this week, we got the usual monthly update on economic activity from China. What are the main takeaways, would you say, for industrial metals? Well, good morning, Helen. Yes, this was more of a mixed bag, I would say. So the good news was that infrastructure investments continue to grow showing that the Chinese government is indeed providing some stimulus to the economy, which had been struggling as of late. The bad news is that the property market remains on a downward trend. Property investments fell, which was mirrored in declining sales and starts. By the way, together, these two segments account for between 25 and 60% of industrial metals demand in China, with aluminium least and steel most exposed. Okay, so a mixed bag, you say. And how did the markets react to this? And what did you make of the reaction? Well, the market reaction was clearly negative, which from my perspective implies two messages. First, uh, the negative trend in property is outweighing the positive trend in infrastructure. And second, broad-based stimulus measures in the property market are not expected. This is very much in line with our own assessment, even though we are still somewhat cautious in terms of the magnitude of the infrastructure stimulus measures due to the local government's difficult financial situation. The lack of property market stimulus, meanwhile, reflects the realization that due to unfavorable demographics and a slowdown in urbanization, there will be fewer apartments needed in the future. But somewhat surprisingly, in terms of market reaction, uh, copper was down the most. And why is that surprising? Isn't copper supposed to be a bellwether of global growth? Well, yes, it is. But copper is also exposed to structurally growing demand from the energy transition in general, and electric vehicles in particular. And on that note, China reported a new record high in terms of electric vehicle sales. This is mirrored in other regions as well, uh, most notably Europe, where sales have picked up again following the stimulus-induced hangover earlier this year. That said, uh, I think the market uh, displays that as of today, copper demand from EVs is still too small 
to offset the weakness stemming from China's property market. Okay, but do we stick to our positive view on copper then? Yes, we do. So we, we still see copper heading into a structural deficit from the middle of the decade due to strong energy transition-related demand on the one side and a slowdown in mine supply growth on the other, which means that any cyclical price weakness should only prove to be temporary in our view. Thanks very much, Karsten, for the interesting update this morning. Thank you. So that is all for today. Thanks very much to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. It's always great to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be speaking to more of our colleagues, including Manuel Villegas, who is back to update us on the latest news within digital assets. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.